What's up, you guys? This is The Quad with Chris Young. As always, I'm Chris. We got Ryan from Miami. Good thing I booked a trip to Vegas last week and how the whole thing got blown up by an atomic bomb. (laughs) What? What? (laughs) He's referencing the movie. (laughs) Producer Josh. Just one week. Can we have Ryan not just come in? Can we not say his name first? Plain and simple. (laughs) Hi. Hello, I think everyone. The, I think the people want it. The people like it. And Haley. The Hi, I'm here. Hi, I'm Haley. <laughs> Hi, I'm here. Hi, I'm uh, Haley. Would be great on a t-shirt. <laughs> Hi, I'm here. Hi, I'm Haley. Yeah. Oh, man. Thank you guys so much, as always, for joining us for the quad. Uh, lot, lots to get to. Obviously, the movie this week <laughs> references a uh, zombie apocalypse film. Thank you, Ryan, for getting that uh, way out in front. Uh, You're welcome. You know what? Let's just start there. Let's let's go to movies first. Movies. You did this, Ryan. You made us go to uh, movies first. Movies. Yeah, we're gonna save playoff basketball, Lefty Phil. We're gonna save all that for later on. Let's get to the zombie apocalypse that destroyed Las Vegas. <laughs> so I, I've seen lots of lots of setups, and I, and I have thoughts uh, on this movie. Um, let's, let's first start with the breakdown army of the dead, 2021, two and a half hours. I I did not realize that it was that long until I was in the middle of watching it. And I'm like, I I had ordered some food and I got up and it paused and it should, there's still like 50 minutes left. I'm like, Oh, we still got a lot to do. Um, horror action, definitely rated R, uh, 70% of rotten tomatoes users like this. And only 75% of Google users like this movie. That's because Rotten Tomatoes liked it. You know what? That, <laughs> it's like fan acclaim versus critical acclaim. Right. Uh, and this is the, the shortest description of a movie ever. After a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas, a group of mercenaries takes the ultimate gamble by venturing into the quarantine zone for the greatest heist ever. <laughs> Can we see what they did there? Yep. Ultimate gamble. Ultimate gamble. Las Vegas. <laughs> it's legal there. Um, Zack Snyder film and the budget for this was like, it's very vague. It says between 70 and 90 million. That's, that's more than a rounding error. That's a lot that's of millions. Very, that's, <laughs> that's very vague. Are they still like oh. counting like where they spent money right now? I, like, I don't know. Um, but obviously Dave Bautista is in this film. Uh, a lot of, a lot of other actors, um, and actresses, but the the guy you're going to recognize first and foremost is Dave Bautista. He's Scott Ward, who's the lead in this film. And uh, I, obviously, if we were going to hit a spoiler button, um, it would have been at the top of the podcast. <laughs> uh, they are basically saying that they've walled off Las Vegas, and it's full of uh, the undead, the zombies, mm-hmm. and they're trying to get them to go in and crack the safe that has hundreds of millions of dollars in it and then retrieve it and bring it back and then they all split it however they want to divvy it up it's like oceans 11 but with zombies right and that's kind of the the idea there's a couple of different twists that you know you either see coming or you don't um there's one guy that the company sends in with him and he just seems sketchy from the jump and uh does he betray them uh, uh, it's 
Of course yes. he does. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then he gets his head bitten off by a zombie zombie tiger. Yes. Wow, super spoiler. Yeah. Wow. Um I think it's it's not a bad movie. And you guys know this about me. I like zombie movies. Um I I particularly like if you go back to Dawn of the Dead, even the remake, um, you know, that was one that I was a really big fan of, which was also Zack Snyder. What about Shaun of the Dead? Shaun of the Dead is fantastic. <laughs> Obviously a different type of movie, but um, that was in the Cornetto trilogy. We've talked about those before. Josh, did you watch the movie? I did not. Ryan, uh, you did. Yes, I did. I, I thought the movie was two hours too long. Two uh, hours too two long. Two hours too long. So give me a half, 30 minute episode. Yeah, give me half an hour. Get in, get out. Like we know what's going on here. Uh, two hours too long. Uh, I, I thought they tried to right, give give your analysis and then I'll okay. get mine. So the acting was pretty poor in for the majority of this film. However, I think Dieter, who was Matthias Schweighofer, if I said that name correctly, Matthias Schweighofer. He was, he was fantastic. He was great. And he made the movie. Him and then Tig Notaro, uh, Which, who was based... I, I, okay, I was hoping that you would pick that character out specifically. Uh, you know that they replaced that character. Uh, Marie after Peters the, after Marianne the movie Peters? after the movie was done filming. She was the, di- the she helicopter was pilot was someone else. They had to reshoot all of the scenes with the same dialogue with that character, and then through basically doing some of the same shots, and then a lot of digital CGI recreation put that character back into the film she was great and she 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 and Dieter they those two made the film watchable in my opinion but her character I mean you you get introduced by her to her character by her smoking a cigar on a fuel truck yes like where it yeah. says flammable like, Which that's is great. how you get introduced to the character I, it's I really like good. that I like the the couple of quirky kind of crazy characters that are your character actors in a zombie film that's going to be tense um, I don't remember. Did you warn us last week about how gory this film would be? I don't think I did, actually. So uh, that that's that's where I was going to. I wanted to. Did you like the movie, Ryan? Um, from after watching the two and a half hours, which could have been thirty minutes. Yeah, the movie was okay. It I was wouldn't right. say that I liked it. It was but, all right. Did you get? But scared? it was all right. Did I get scared? No, it no, was There really, were really scary parts yeah. of it. It's just zombies. So here's the thing for me. Um, and you could tell they tried to give you that tension moment with there's a hallway scene where uh, they were doing too much for me. All right. I, and again, I'm self-professed as a lover of all things zombie movie. Dawn of the Dead's very gory up top. Um, there's a scene where they're in the bedroom. This is an 04 movie that Zack Snyder also did. And uh, But they did that movie for like a quarter of the budget, and I thought it was way more atmospheric and way more succinct and how they kind of set up the plot and how the movie goes along. I didn't like that the beginning of the movie started the way it did. There's, I, I get it, it's Vegas. Mm-hmm. You're, we're playing into that. But for the intro of the film, just like gratuitous blood everywhere. <laughs> like, um, a, like a Tarantino well, movie. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and then, but then there's like, 
the the topless pool let out, but now there's zombies and so the there's boobs. Zombies. It's like, I, <laughs> yeah, why? I did. That's that. Mm. I, there was some nudity to start off. I mean, the whole like, hey, we're the military protecting something that we don't know what's in there, and then of course they get into some accident. Uh, so, and we're not going to get into the accident scene, but they get into an accident, and then you know the whole world gets set on fire in Vegas. Yeah, right. And so it, they they did too many things. They they did the hallway scene felt to me like they were trying to recreate one of the scenes from Silent Hill, where you're trying to be quiet and not touch anything because they're all hibernating, quote unquote. But it didn't really come off as suspense. It came off as like, why y'all are dumb? What what, what are you doing? Um. There was the whole thing where there's regular zombies that are like the shambling zombies, and then there's like a different subset of zombies that are like the alphas that are really fast and really strong. They do CrossFit. And- it's like uh, uh, World War Z zombies. Yeah, right. Sure. And so it's it's like, well, which why are they both in the movie? And then they sort of explain it and they use it as a plot device, but sort of not. And then there's like this overarching relationship with Dave Bautista and and his character Scott Ward and. Uh, his family and kind of what happened there when the zombie outbreak originally occurred. It, there's just a lot going on. It does come full circle though, the story. And, and, you know, for those that didn't see it, there's a mother involved who ends up getting killed. And then Dave Bautista ends up dying too, in a very similar way. So there was like a kind of a, it all tied together. I think, I feel like if you didn't watch this movie in entirety, you would have a different perspective if you watched it front to back because the the storyline started to make sense a little bit more once it reached its completion, but it was really long and I didn't think it needed to be that long. Uh, Yeah. I think they could have cut and I don't think they should have cut two hours out of it, (laughs) made it into a TV episode. (laughs) (laughs) Looking for a brisk 30 minutes. It's an episode of 24. (laughs) They could have cut like 40 minutes off of this. I think that's just my personal opinion. And I, I didn't think it was bad, but again, I wanted more dawn of the dead and i kind of got zach snyder kind of doing a tarantino thing kind of <laughs> doing it yeah it the ending okay. though the ending though i thought well leaves you on a cliffhanger to obviously assume that there's going to be an army of the dead too and if you're not familiar with what we're talking about there's a plane scene at the end and guy realizes he was bit by a zombie and then it and he's headed to Mexico black. City, and then it fades to oh, black. Oh, okay, that's yeah, yeah, that's definitely a setup for... Yeah, there's definitely yeah. going to be a second movie here. Well, I, again, I am a self-professed lover of this type of film. Why is it always, always you watch get it. bit and you turn into a zombie? That's that's kind of the thing. What Same would you like the zombies to do? Give you a high five? They're zombie. Like, you transfer your zombie blood? Like, that doesn't make sense. I don't know. Because supposedly in most zombie films, it's through their saliva. Yeah. So even when you get into the movie like World War Z, like they made a point in World War Z where they're like, oh, they they completely snuffed this out in North Korea because they removed everyone's teeth. Right. Totally. So like there's always they only die from being shot in the head. Yes, correct. The brain. But even though they're already dead. (laughs) Same. (laughs) You guys didn't know Josh is a superhero. You guys didn't know this. Shocker. Anyway, uh, yeah, sorry. I, I probably should have warned everybody, but I didn't know either that it was just going to be that gratuitous. Well, you also warned it was a zombie movie. Everyone yeah, knows right. a zombie movie is going to be. Bleh. Yeah, but but again, I, I always do try to give everybody a heads up. For sure. But the soundtrack was kind of cheesy, too. You know, I mean, when you're okay, playing the, 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 one, the zombies, the one time the that I thought it was great 
And I thought Zack Snyder used his knowledge of movie making really well. They're they're trying to get away from a horde of zombies, and they get in the elevator, and it starts playing. Do you really want to hurt me? That was that was actually that was that was a really good scene. That scene was really good. That was funny. But and I'm like ending with uh, with zombies. <laughs> this the song by the cranberries. That was the acoustic no. version. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, it was wow. just kind of cheesy and corny at that yeah. point. Do we think Dave Bautista is following? like kind of the footsteps of what the rock did. Cause he's been in some of these like sort comedic of. like performances with my can spy. I, um, and can I say something really bad? Stuber. I love Dave. I don't think he's as good as the rock. I don't think he's as good as the rock, nor has he had the so reps in front of people. I don't think he can people. live up to I, that. I thought you were getting ready to be like, I love, yeah. I love I've known him for a long time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Let's call him right now. I actually don't think that's, that's as hot of a take as you think. Like I, I think people put the rock and Dwayne Johnson on a pedestal and I don't think Dave comes even close. But to I don't think well, I, I think this time is out, time out, time out. First of all, we're talking about the rock who started his career doing some of those movies that were kind of corny. Yeah, like the pacifier. Like the nanny. Or, yeah. and, but they yeah, were still like, good. I, Okay, but again, Dave Bautista kind of did that same thing. His jumping off point, his major break, was when he was in Guardians of the Galaxy. For sure. And and he's talked about this a lot. He actually said, um, this is probably the third Guardians film, which will probably be the last one that James Gunn works on. He's already said, that's that's probably the end of me playing Drax. Because he's like, dude, I'm I'm 50. He goes, the shirtless scenes are getting He's a lot harder. 50? Yeah. What? Yeah. Because he already had, like, the... He was in UFC, right? No, no, Bautista? no. No, he was a wrestler. That's why WWE. everybody does, yeah. does the comparison with Dwayne Johnson. Because they both both came from wrestling. I can't believe he's that old. I did, like, Stuber. I thought it was funny. But again, I think he has carved out a niche for himself, and he will continue to have those relationships with people like Jeff Gunn, who are going to continue <laughs> to make big budget movies and continue to think of him because they enjoy working with him. So I don't think he's going anywhere. No, but I, and will, I do, I do like will he his... ever be on the level of The Rock? Yeah, yeah, probably not. Probably, I, I don't think he will ever get to there. But I do think he has some of the comedic timing stuff that The Rock has. It, it might be a wait and see. I don't think he'll ever be the rock big, but I just, there's a nice comp. He's kind of like the next. I'm an idiot. It's like a poor man's the rock. Yeah. I'm an idiot. Like the pebble. I'm an idiot. Why? <laughs> and, and no one has corrected me. I've said that it like was... three times. I've said we it like three times. We just missed a really good joke. No, no, I James Gunn. It's James Gunn. Yeah. You said Not it correctly. Jeff. You said Jeff just this last one time. Okay. You said it correct the first time. Oh, James. Good God. James. James. Together. James Gunn. <laughs> Apple. God, I heard it. I that's such a dad joke. <laughs> Ryan's getting way too much enjoyment out of this. I'm so happy right now, Josh. Thank oh, you. Goodness. But again, I, I think he will continue to work with James Gunn. I think he'll continue to do other things like Stuber here and there. I think he will still be able to play that built, you know, powerhouse. He's never going to get that much smaller. I mean, come on, look at the guy. Well, but that that's the thing. It's different. If you notice, there it's been a long time since we've seen Vin Diesel with his shirt off too. Has it? He's he's not playing a whole lot of shirtless scenes nope. in in the upcoming like Fast movies where you see clips. I think The Rock will be eighty and still doing shirtless scenes. <laughs> yeah, he because he eats like 
seven full chickens a day. I mean, this dude is just like, <laughs> you ever looked at his That's uh, like diet? his favorite thing, though. Yeah. Oh, like, his cheat day is like seven pizzas, two cakes, and... <laughs> It's crazy. It's crazy. All the right. Rock's cheat day is my weekly meet, like meals. <laughs> um, what are we doing for next week? Did you pick a movie? I did. Okay. Um, and uh, I don't know if all of us have already seen this, but I want to watch it again, and it's relevant to later. So I have been listening. <laughs> what was that? What was that? <laughs> I went to go clear my throat and stop myself at the same time. <laughs> so... Anyways, uh, so I think everyone needs to watch this because I want to watch this again and I've been wa- listening to the soundtrack, The Greatest Showman. Okay. I love that. Movie. I'm down. So, yeah. See, I, I figured like most of us have seen this, but I want to see it. I figured most of us have seen this, but I want to see it again. Yeah. So, All right. Ryan, have you seen it? Yes, but I would love to watch it again. Okay. It's great. So, The Greatest Showman. Everyone needs to see this movie and listen to the soundtrack. <laughs> wait, wait, showman? Wait. Showman? <laughs> The Greatest Showman. Showman. I think is... <laughs> yes. Okay. The Greatest Showman. I clearly can't talk today already, make, so... Make sure to watch that for next week, guys. The Greatest Do Showman. you want to build a showman? <laughs> I like that you altered the melody so that it wasn't on top of it. All right. Let's go to music. Music. Um, so much stuff to, to really dig down into. For me, but uh, unfortunately, I can't talk about any of it. Oh, <laughs> all of the stuff no. that we filmed. Come everyone on. groaned just now. Yeah, I know. All of the stuff that we filmed for the past 14 days where it's just been nonstop is all on a hold until it actually comes out. But there's going to be some cool TV stuff coming up in the future. Um, there will be an announcement very, very soon about album date. That's coming. <gasps> oh, the thing that people have been waiting for for three years. Uh, you think I haven't been waiting for it? Like it's, <laughs> this is not a one-way street here. Uh, can I can I negotiate on behalf of the Quad Pod Squad here since I represent them? Um, I think we should give them Wait. a little 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 sneak on the pod of the date prior to social I releases. I First of all, you don't speak for the Quad Pod Squad. He he tries. <laughs> um, I I would love to do that. I cannot legally yeah i nope. i would uh i would get in more trouble than anything that i've ever done with teasing songs and and like pre playing stuff i tried for the record quad bot squad so don't say it didn't. also there's something nice about discovering a record and listening it listening to it down for the first time you know yeah i actually enjoy that process of, of tuning into a record and just letting it go through and yeah. i don't want to know every song that's already on there or like, you know what I mean? Uh, I guess. I, I, I mean, appreciate you're not it gonna, in the moment, but I want it now. You're, you're not, <laughs> well, too bad. Um, you're not going to know everything that's on the record. You aren't going to be able to hear it when I announce the release date. You aren't going to be able to have all of that information. But sure. It'll be like track listing and number of songs, and it'll at least give everybody a firm date. Like, here it is. It actually is coming out. So uh, that is all stuff that I've been working on. Like I just got a text message about paperwork that I have to sign for some of the stuff we filmed last week. So, uh, it, it's, it's been a lot, but it's been awesome. Um, at some point I'm going to post to my Instagram. There's a really good video of Kane pranking me while we were recording. <gasps> really? He How? got me really good. So, uh, 
keep an eye out for that. That'll be that'll be pretty fun. And um, yeah, I, I want to go around and do what are you listening to before I do this next thing. Uh, so Ryan, we'll start with you. Uh, Watermelon Crawl by Tracy Bird. That's uh, what I've been listening to. Yeah. Were you at a line dancing bar recently? No, I just, I don't know. I was like listening to Sirius XM, like, uh, you know, old old school country and it just popped on and I I was in the car and I just wanted to do a line dance. It was great. Wow. Didn't see that one coming. I got to be honest. I, neither did I. Little 90s country for you. Why not? I'm not against it. I, that's just, I love that for you. Yeah. I like that look too. All right, uh, Josh, what you got? Mine is, so this happens on occasion where an artist will release a song and then one of the other co-writers who's also an artist will re-release the song a little bit later. And that's what I was listening to. The song is called Range Rover. It was originally released by Devin Dawson, but he co-wrote it with Ben Rector, who I'm a giant fan of. Yep. And so Ben Rector put out his version on Friday. And I got to tell you, the music video for this thing is incredible. It is, is it? a, it's sort of a lyric video, but it's like you're reading the lyrics and it's on all sorts of stuff throughout the car and them driving somewhere. So it's like Ooh, on the I like side that. mirror is like, instead of objects are closer, it's like some of the lyrics or on the shifter where it says like drive and like it has lyrics there. It's really interesting. I like is it that. a lyric video? It's not a, it's hard to explain. It is. It, is it or is it not? Because it's Are one of the two. It? Like, is he in it? Is it shots of him? In There's the no vehicle? shots of him. It's a lyric video. Yeah. Yes. That's a lyric video, but it's done really real well. cool. Yeah. Real well. No, no, no. Not taking anything away from it. That, but that's what I was asking. Yeah. I was like, man, I, now but, I need to go watch it. But the song is a jam. Range Rover. Ben Rector. Bear. <laughs> uh, so you, I, I really wish Apple would talk to us because I give them shout outs all the time. But when I am listening to an artist and at the very bottom of Apple, it gives you other artists to listen to. I came across somebody and I started living my 2007 life again. And uh, she is awesome. Didn't do much after this that I'm aware of, but Over It by Catherine McPhee. I mean, she did stuff after that, but <laughs> she married David Foster for one. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, that's 2007 screaming over it. Love it. Like it. I, li- uh, I liked her. I, I did too. I may have already said this. So I don't I don't remember. But even if I have, I don't care. I'm doing it again. Double it up. Uh double down. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> um on a good time. Like a lady. Lady A. I don't think we did. I, I think we may have referenced it. No, you referenced it I, on I one of your I think I referenced it beca- on one of mine. No, 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 no. That's not what I meant. Never mind. Continue. I, I may have brought up the fact that I think that now I, I just chuckle a little bit every time I see them perform it because it's Charles and Dave going, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like a lady. It's just, I don't know why that makes me laugh, but it does. It's like watching any guy cover, man, I feel like yes, a woman. <laughs> a little bit, but the song is fantastic and I, I just love it. It's, you know, just all energy and very infectious and I, I love it. So 
props to them. Love that song. Last thing that I'll do on music is actually uh, referencing my buddy Chris Stefano. Uh, he got a chance to come and hang out with us on this next thing that we're going to pivot to. But uh, when I talk about this guy, I always talk about how talented he is and, um, you know, talking about an incredible songwriter, incredible producer, great singer, uh, great performer. Uh, he is actually like, I think, one of the emergency goalies for the Predators. Um, <laughs> he's, he's Wait, like, really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he He's kind of uh, the most interesting man in the world a little bit. Um, like a, a trained marksman. Like it, it's just crazy when you get into all this stuff that this guy does. He realized he needed fiddle on a track one time and like couldn't find a fiddle player. So he taught himself to play fiddle, which is insanely hard. He is incredibly talented. He, he's a wild man. And, uh, and also hilarious to yes. be in, what, what, to be around during a hockey game. What was he saying? Be the best. Be great. <laughs> just be great. He just kept saying this over and over during For the like game. For like two overtime yeah. periods. It's like, just be the best. Be the best. Um, yeah, but big, big shout out to him. He and I not only co-wrote some of the stuff that's on the album, we also co-produced several tracks together. And uh, with that, let's let's go to sports. Sports! Obviously, unless you guys were under a rock this weekend, uh, we or took... Or a pebble. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Or a pebble. Uh, yes. We took the podcast over and did a live podcast from... The Preds game. Um, absolutely incredible. Shout out once again to the Preds organization, to uh, Bridgestone Arena for having us. And Sean Henry. Yeah. Sean Henry was incredible. In fact, actually, let's go ahead and drop this in right here. Here's an interview with the CEO of the Preds, Mr. Sean Henry. Hey, guys. We have Sean Henry here, who is the CEO, president, and alternate governor. Of it sounds pretty Predators. cool, doesn't you it? you got a lot of titles, man. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I do. It doesn't change your paycheck, but yeah, a lot of titles. <laughs> I'm like an English Arc Duke or something. I don't know. Well, thank you so much for the time. I know, uh, obviously, game day in the playoffs is big day. You know what? The whole staff is thanking you because no one likes being around me on a game day because all I do, <laughs> that's why it's great Scott's here. Like, this isn't by accident. Other people scheduled this. Because I just walk around the building making everyone nervous. Because all I do is pace and pace and pace. Because there's nothing to do for me on a game day except wait. But and there's energy. There's a lot of energy. Yeah. I mean, I've, the only thing I can liken this to for me is, you know, I've, I've headlined this arena before. Oh, I know. And so, you know, being able to be in this building for, you know, whether it's a playoff hockey game or just a, a regular game. I've been in here plenty. But... When I got ready to perform, there's all this energy and there's all this adrenaline and everybody's like, do you get nervous? It's not necessarily nervous. It's just there's all this energy and there's nowhere to put it until the game starts. That really is it. I mean, you're so pent up. And when years and years ago, when I worked with the Pistons, it was in food and beverage. And one of our guys is with me still now. Before a game, I would wash sinks. And I don't know why, but that's what I did. Right? Empty ice machines. And to this day, my wife knows I'm nervous about something. Because I clean our sinks at home. The house, is, oh, the house is spotless during, just, just during the, the playoffs. Let's just not get sinks. crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She can't be too mad about that. Yeah. So it is funny because it is. It's it's not nervousness. It's energy, and you're just you know revved up. Yeah. Well, I, I know the city of Nashville is, and obviously there's going to be more people in the house tonight than we've been able to have at, at any point. I think this season. So that's going to be a, a really big boost to the players. I mean, you've seen. 
uh, not just in hockey, but at least when Josh and I have spoken, you know, we, we talk sports a lot on the podcast. It's, it's one of our main focuses and seeing the difference between now that there's people at the home games, it, you it's palpable. Like you can, Oh my gosh, it really is. And the players can feel it too. Yeah. You You can see it. We always say a lot of people dismiss home ice advantage or what the crowd effect has, the energy they provide to the players. And anyone that dismisses that has never been on the ice, the court, the field, on stage. I mean, you do feel it. You thrive on it. But what really hits home for our fans when they hear it is when the opposing coach or opposing player talks about it. And Rob Redmore talked about it. He, he said, my gosh, it seemed like there were 30,000 people in the building. Yeah. He said it was intimidating. And, and you like hearing that. And they responded because they ended up putting about 12,000 people in their building. And it was a great environment. Ours will be better, by the way, but it really was fun. (laughs) The environment here is always better. Oh, yeah, but they do. They have fans like ours, you know, very, very similar. They love the game, love the guys. Um, But, yeah, we'll we'll have the largest crowd in the NHL this year. That's amazing. Which we've never said before because our building is one of the smaller buildings in the NHL, but it's nice to say, hey, Toronto, Montreal, New York. We got you beat. It's Nashville. Yeah. 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 So uh, I am (laughs) self-professed. I lived right around here many, many years ago, probably before you were even with the team. And so I've been coming to Preds games for a long, long time and have seen the change since you came to the team. And I, I, I do not overlook the fact that there was a very big difference in the level of success that the team had before you got here and after you got here. Well, and that's kind to say, but we have 300 really incredible employees that have bought into – making mistakes, have freedom, be aggressive, have fun, get to know each other. And that really came from our ownership group. When that changed is really when the change happened. I was just fortunate enough to be, you know, come along for the ride. Um, but I was telling Scott Burnside earlier, when Tom Seagram became chairman and, and Herb Fritch became majority owner, mm-hmm. Barry Trotz had that great line. He said, they took the word no out of our vocabulary. We now could compete with anybody. We could do the same things. We could have, you know, all the same equipment, the same resources, if not more. And that's fun to be part of that. It really, really is. Because success is fun. What's more fun than that is taking the organization to a level higher today than we were yesterday and always looking down the road for more of that. Well, I think that goes without saying that it's been seen from the city of Nashville. And you have seen how many more people have continued to buy into the Preds. I grew up here. I I didn't watch hockey before the Preds existed. I didn't didn't really know anything about it. Like, you know, growing up in middle Tennessee – you're, I wasn't <laughs> a hockey fan before I moved to Nashville. I grew up in Orlando. <laughs> there, there isn't a major league hockey team there. So there, I, there is one 90 miles away that I used to that's, work it's with. Still, okay, it's I just, still far. It's still far for everyone in Orlando. <laughs> it's true. They're like two separate markets. They are. Though they're so close. They Ours are. is basketball. Theirs yes. is. Mm-hmm. But I mean, again, divide. Th- this, this was a lot of people here, their introduction to hockey and the rules and learning a, a new sport. Yeah, Unless they moved from somewhere else where they were used to it. Pete Weber and Terry Crisp literally taught a whole generation about hockey. And it, who better to teach it, by the way, than you know Pete Weber and, and Terry Crisp. Always get a mm-hmm. kick out of that because Terry Crisp is the name of my steel player. Seriously. Uh, <laughs> who has like been, been on records for years and years and years and like toured with Reba and Joe Diffie and, and plenty of other people. So it, yeah, I'm like, oh, there's the other Terry Crisp. <laughs> we need to and get your like, Terry Crisp, a bobblehead of Terry Crisp. That would be yes. perfect. Yeah, oh, we'll yeah, put that it on the bus for yeah, yeah. Um, But it, it's just been amazing to see see the growth. And obviously, you know, being in the playoffs with the start of the year that the Preds have and really working through the the lines and, and how we wanted that to work and who was going to be in goal and seeing Soros really continue to grow 
as as a goaltender. Um, I mean, obviously that that's been directed to for a couple years now, but really just seeing him locked down, especially late in the season, see everybody come together and make it to the playoffs was a huge thing for Nashville and a huge thing for, for Preds fans, me included. Um, so, you know, you, you also look at the series so far and you know that tonight's going to be big because it is home ice and this is a, you know, you don't want to go down three Oh ever in the playoffs. You know, you love a 3-0 series if you have the three. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, you just don't want to be on the other end of it. So it is big. And like we said to everyone, on Monday morning, our job was to win four games this round, period. Mm-hmm. And our job is still to win four games. Hasn't changed. Um, I, I wish we were up 2 nothing, but we're down 2 nothing. But they did what they were supposed to do. They won their two games at home. We need to do what we're supposed to do, win two games at home to force a best of three. And then when you do it, then we've got to take a game there as well. And that's what the plan is. Nothing's changed. But you look at this season. You, you talked about it. It wasn't a whole lot of fun in January and, and February. I mean, it just wasn't. The team wasn't playing the way we thought they would or could. We have had more injuries than any team deserves. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. But everyone deals with them to a degree. But where we're sitting today is really fun because where we were. And then you watch the guys continue to come together, continue to get to know each other, too, because we had eight, nine, ten new guys to the roster, two new coaches that because of the COVID protocols weren't really allowed to get to know each other. And it's tough. If they don't know each other, it's hard to be that cohesive. But then they were on the road again together. They were doing things again together. And you just saw this momentum building and building, and, and you keyed on it. The key to our success is, was, and I think always will be, our goalie tandems. And, you know, for the past, you know, four, five, six years, we enjoyed a great goalie tandem. It's the same goalie tandem today with one guy playing, you know, more games than mm-hmm. he used to. But the strength of where we sit is because of those two guys. People forget Pecorine played us back into the playoffs on that long road trip we were on when, when Saros got hurt. And then when Saros came back, he, he's you know the best goaltender in the league for the past 30 games. So And de- I definitely am never going to leave Peck out of any conversation. I am no. yeah. like the biggest fan of who he is and his play and what he's done the past many, many years amazing. with the team. Um, I do have to ask this, and I know hypotheticals are annoying. I should ask it, shouldn't I? Well, you have okay. to do it. Yeah, so I, your name is already on the Stanley Cup with another team. It is. It, with the Tampa's first and hardest cup mm-hmm. twins, the first one. Mm-hmm. So was my, that 04? 04, yeah, which was just a fun year because we owned the Pistons as well. And seven days later, we won the NBA championship. Two months later, we won the WNBA championship. A few weeks later, we won the Arena Football Championship. So it was a really fun summer um, for all of us. But the the important trophy was the Stanley Cup. It really was. It's the hardest one to win. It's the most storied one. And more importantly, there's one of them. Right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. and your name gets put on it. And I remember when I called, uh, the guy was the mayor of the town next to me where I grew up, but he was our gym teacher as a kid. And we all thought we were better athletes than we were. And now, looking back 40 years ago, I was much better, in my head at least. So when I told him, I said, Coach, my name's going on the Stanley Cup. And he started laughing. I said, no, no, really. He goes, you are the very last person. I've ever met my wife. <laughs> so, thanks, Coach. I hope and cry. So good to talk to you, bastard. <laughs> Dang. Shots fired. Yeah, exactly. So what, what, what would it mean to, to one day be able to do that with the Preds? It, it, I don't want to say it would mean more, but I think it would mean more because that we went from being a really bad team to a great team, you know, almost overnight. We didn't make playoffs for years, made the playoffs, went the second round, went to the playoffs next year, won the Cup had the, the work stoppage the next year. So it all happened so fast 
I, I, we enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. We enjoyed it a lot more afterwards. A lot more. Some I remember. And it was awesome. But what I always tell people now is when we go into the playoffs, slow down a little bit. Enjoy it. Take a step back. And bring, if you have family, bring your family to every single thing you can. Because that's who you want to enjoy it with. And, you know, I've seen us grow and grow and grow. And what we created in this market, the relationship we have with our fans is so odd, unique. You know, they're part of us. They're in our fiber. Winning here would be more special because the fans just mean more. They saved the team. They built something special. We're known as, you know, the loudest, best, most passionate fan base in, in sports. And then to win it with Dave Apoyle would mean that much more. I mean, here he is. One of the very best that what who's ever done that job, most wins ever, most, 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 all these wonderful accolades. But to win with him would be incredible. Because, you know, before I got here, you'd go to national meetings or league meetings, and the whole room revolves around him. You know, you see guys whose names are on the cup two, three times. You see guys that, you know, have scored 600 goals, 500 goals. They literally circle him. And by the end of the day or at night, he's almost holding court. And that was me. I used to circle it. Now I get a chance to work with him, and he's better working with than he even than I thought it would be. That's awesome. Well, and looking at that, the fan experience and the fans being a part of it. How I mean, this is it's crazy. The chance, all of the crazy things that the fans do. How much of that culture was by design? Ideas that you guys came up with, and how much of that was just happenstance? Just the rowdy nature of Nashville. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty good mixture of both. But I, I say I the thing that I think we've done very well over the years is we get out of the way. So when a fan wants to express themselves a certain way, you let them to a degree. I mean, there's certain things I'd say, whoa. I, I mean, I think, you know, I think the worst thing that they say now is, hey, you suck. Right. So yeah. it's a, yeah. you can get away with that. That's yeah. not, yeah. yeah. It's not so bad. How so, do you feel about that catfish? <laughs> yeah. You know, officially, I hate it. You know, officially, you got to, you know, don't throw it at the ice. It, let's face it. It's one of the coolest things. And our, our ice team, when they go out and pick up the catfish in the old days, they swing around. We tamp that down a little bit. <laughs> That's where maybe some people at different levels think we're promoting it. And of course, we would never promote something like right. that because that would be wrong. That's why we built the catfish tank downstairs. If you bring a catfish in, just put it in there. No, no reason for that. <laughs> um, but I think when you talk about the fan things that they do, something just last year or two years ago, they started the um, Paul McCartney song, You know, Let It Be, when we do a goal review. We had nothing to do with that. I mean, nothing except we happened to play the song without thinking. Or obviously, we thought a little bit. When they started putting their flashlights on their phone, on like it was a concert, we literally just sat back and was like, holy, this this is pretty cool. Yeah. And I, lo- I hate and love when our goals get reviewed because I know that's going to happen. And then when they do stand, you get to hear the horn twice and the you suck twice and everything. <laughs> you know, <all> <laughs> yeah. So that's a good example of something that, you know, our fans do. But there are so many of those things that, you know, they just come up. The chants are all you know, uh, fan made and someone along the lines was smart enough to say, yeah, let, let this go. Now the things we do are just dumb. I mean, (laughs) we brought the pedal tavern on the ice. Remember last year, which I really thought my house was going to get burned down over. And, you know, know, I was the dumbest band alive. I I thought, gosh, it was only pedal tavern. We'll get rid of it. You know, stop booing me. Um, because I do get nervous when people write me emails about, I should get fired, you know, well, I mean, you guys also did the, you know, back from the original, and I've seen multiple different versions of it with the I Like It, I Love It with McGraw, so. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it really, really is. So the, it really is a fun environment to make mistakes in front of your fans, and now they accept them. And we'll tell them, like, hey, we're trying this. We'll see what happens. And that's also because I have a fragile ego. So we tell them we're <laughs> doing that, so they let you down, you know, gently when you, when you fail. 
Well, again, I, I don't want to keep you too long. I do want to ask before you go, you started to tell us something when you sat down, and I have no idea where this is going, so this could go real poorly for me. I don't know, but uh, what, what were you getting ready to say? So we've had a lot of special guests on our weekly Zoom calls, and, and you were very kind to do one. I was telling Scott, it was really one of the best ones, because you said something, and I, I have exaggerated it so much, and I hope I didn't <laughs> do it that much, but you said something that really hit home hard, because I always talk about, when we can take an act that goes from a club in town, whether they're from here or not, when you go from a club to maybe the Ryman, you know, to Ascend, to play our building, and then the stadium, it's cool to see that evolution. You know, it, it really is neat. You took it a whole nother level, though. You talked about sitting in the upper bowl you know, as a kid watching a hockey game and then sitting up there, I think, and this is where I think I may have exaggerated it, sitting up there for the Garth Brooks shows during the flood relief. I bought my dad some tickets. So you really did. All right. So, so I was here. Scott, I, was here. I, didn't, yeah. I, didn't, I told Scott, I said, <laughs> I might have been. Well, I don't know if it's true. But afterwards, the feedback we got from our employees, we were talking about how cool it was that you literally went from sitting in 309 or whatever section for shows and for games and falling in love with the team. And obviously, you love the city. You're from here to standing on the stage, you know, playing to a sold out crowd. Like, I'm getting chills even saying that out loud right now. It's pretty cool. But yeah, you didn't exaggerate. That's I did say that stuff. So. Yeah, and That's then, awesome. I th- that went way better than I thought it was well, going to go. I didn't know what the story was before I asked about it. Well, the other legend I think I've created, but I also think it's true, during the All-Star Game, we had the great concerts outside, mm-hmm. you performed, but you were on tour, weren't you? Yeah, and, and we you, came you we came g- back for that. See, I wasn't lying, Scott. <laughs> there was a reporter standing behind me, but you, you literally came back on your own to be a part of it. And I've told that story to so many people. The reason that we're special as a market because people like you that really do love the city and love the team, no one else does that in another city. There's no one else on the planet that would say, all right, I'll step out. I'll exhaust myself. I'm going to fly in and fly back out on my own. So thank you for that. Well, it really hey, is cool. man, I, again, we really do appreciate you sitting down with us. You can hear that in the background if yeah. you're listening real close to the audio. They're gearing up. Oh, here so it that comes. Probably means, about to get loud. I know. That probably means we need to let you get yeah. back to everything, but... Sean Henry, thank you so oh. very much. I do have one question I feel like I have to ask. Uh-oh. The fans it was of the going podcast, so well until this. I know, yeah, until I, know. I come uh-uh. up. The fans of the podcast are very, very familiar about an experience that I had with Josh here about cotton candy. Do you have a game time snack that you have and go to to eat? <laughs> well, because of COVID, I'm in these weird protocols. And I normally sit in 105 and right before the game starts. I literally am running to my seats right before the anthem. And I always stop and grab a hot dog. Yeah, I, my body is built by hot dogs, as you can tell. <laughs> but they're my favorite food in the world. And it, my wife laughs. Like, everyone sits around us, laugh. My wife, my daughter, has a cup of coffee waiting for me. But I am always running down the steps, you know, getting ready for the anthem, jamming, uh, two bites, and I'm done. So that's You're my, my ritual. Kind of guy. Yeah, I yeah. like this. I love it. I love so it. you guys need a bobblehead and cotton candy. Right? Yes. Yes. Right, yes. They're coming up. Well, thank, thank you, you guys. again. Appreciate thank you. it. I love that guy. He's great. My mom actually texted me this morning and goes, I absolutely loved the live pod. And I was like, yeah, it was great. I feel like Sean Henry, we should start referring to him in the same tone we do Sean Connery. So do Sean Henry. <laughs> We'd like to be uh, invited back, so probably not. <laughs> so maybe not that. Uh... What a fascinating actually, dude, though. Actually getting to know him, I feel like he might actually <laughs> <laughs> Sean Henry. Can I can I say this though, but from being able to listen to the live pod you guys did, which I'm sad I couldn't be there. Um, I did get to, to call in and get hung up on, which was really great. Thank you guys for that. <laughs> appreciate that. Uh, that's but, what happens when you talk crap on the Preds, bro. Yeah. <laughs> being there, being able to listen to what you guys did, hear the energy in the building, 
and the way you guys talk about Sean, it there are a lot of parallels between the Preds organization and the Lightning organization, and just how they're run. Well, uh, how, I, I would just, also just are two very good. Sean worked for the Lightning when they won their first cup in 04. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, you, there's a, again, a lot of it's weaved together. There just seems to be a lot of parallels between the two and holy crap, back to back overtime. I mean, that was a nuts games right. three and four were so crazy. Three and four. Yeah. You went through puberty <laughs> a little. I, I like the excitement. I like it. Uh, games three and four were insane. Uh, both of them went to double OT. I thought the, the last one was going to triple overtime. It, it looked like it was headed that direction. Uh, and Sean actually, while we were there, you know, he said that's how they're going to win games is, um, him and I believe we were talking to David Kells and, and both of those guys, uh, who work with the Preds organization said, you know, we're just going to have to outlast him. We're going to have to wear him down. We're going to have to make sure that our lines are given everything they got every time they're on the ice and really pressure them, put the pressure on. And they've done that. And, uh, UC Saros is fantastic. And I, I know I started this year and, and I've eaten my words in, in the end of this season, the regular season, and then the playoffs. He has been incredible. I, 58 saves in game four. I, I feel the same way because I, I would say the same thing about Saros. And then yesterday that stat popped up where he's had the second person in NHL history to have 50 plus saves in a playoff game. Yeah. That's insane insane he is he is literally dodging or not dodging but catching i mean pucks first of right. all first of all you have to play long enough for that stat to occur and yep. going back-to-back double ot games helps and he's also the sec he's also the second nhl goalie since 1955-56 to make at least 50 saves in consecutive playoff games that's insane he is so good he has been fantastic and uh the preds have been fantastic now Let's see where it goes from here. And, you know, now we're back to even. They've got to steal one from them at home. I mean, a series hasn't begun yet because, you know, home team's got to oh, lose first. Oh, my God. Okay, look. that I, I hate it. Last <laughs> night, one of those guys goes, they had to have that game last night. No, mathematically, they don't. <laughs> nope. Actually, if it's a seven, if it's best of seven, they have to win four. So if they've lost two, they don't have to win that game. It is yeah, not a must-win game. Mathematically, is, the mathematically, odds are against them if I am correct. <laughs> mathematically, that means they can win the next four. Also, a series can be won by winning all of your home games if you are the yeah, home team, the high, the higher seed. So, nah, but series doesn't start until the home team loses. Oh, stop it. Lord. How about, by the way, playoff hockey, after watching the NBA this week, this weekend, by the way, felt like the return to normal. You had the gallery at the U.S. Uh, uh, well, dude, Open. You've, you got, had, you've got 15,000 people at some amazing. of these NBA games. The, the Preds game, obviously, they had 12,000 people, at, which is the most bodies they've had at any NHL game. And they went into detail. I, I won't share what they said, but like they have like a whole methodology behind it on on how much air has to be pumped in, and like they they're they, following they, all regulations. Yeah, they're they're doing everything correctly by protocol. Um, but it's just wild, and it's so nice to see. You know, when we discussed that with Sean earlier, obviously talking about the home ice advantage, there really are those things now going into the playoffs, and it's it's pretty wild seeing that and seeing. Like you said, Ry, the, the transition back into some normalcy. 
Yeah, it's been it's been really cool to watch, and obviously teams are starting to increase capacity. Lightning Panthers tonight for um, Game Five will have increased capacity down in Sunrise, so it's it's cool to see things coming back to life. But between playoff hockey and playoff basketball, it's been it was a heck of a weekend to watch sports, man. It really was, um, and we can actually use that. Do you want to say something about your Lightning before we move on to NBA? Yeah, I think I think the Lightning are right now uh, the top team to get out of the the well. I guess there's no Eastern Conference. I don't even know. There's no conferences. It's weird. This is a weird system. Anyway, I think the Lightning are the favorites to get back to the Stanley Cup Final. We'll see if they end up winning it. But how great would it be, by the way, if the Preds advance and the Bolts advance, and then the next round you have Tampa Bay and Nashville going head to head, baby. What content that would be for the quad? We pod. have to do a live pod if that were the case. No. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. No, we can't do them oh, that yeah. often. Like, that. that's something that's going to be special. And by the way, uh, obviously, a lot of you guys listen to that in 24 hours. So we will do some of those again. We're not going to do every hockey game <laughs> through the end of the season. Live from every hockey game, this is the quad with Chris Young. That is unless ESPN would like to hire us to do every hockey game. And yes, right. we won't, that's different. We won't hi, say no. Hi, ESPN. Yeah. Um, so it, let's move on to the NBA, and let's go ahead and start with the fact that uh, Rye, um, Heat and 5 probably ain't going to happen. Bucks take game one. Butler, 4 of 22. Mathematically, it's still possible. <laughs> wow, now you want to get into math? Now he wants to do that. Yeah, very <laughs> convenient. <laughs> it's not a game until the home team loses. Is that uh, what you're saying? No, exactly. Home team hasn't lost yet. It's not serious. Hasn't begun yet. Um, Did y'all that, actually take that bet? Because I'll join in. I don't think that was ever a bet. Ryan just no. always says. Eight and five. Yeah, here's, or here's, whoever the team is. He always picks five. I don't know why that's his number that he likes picking, but he'll be five, right maybe. eventually. Heat and five. I'm getting a shirt made. Quad pod squad. Heat and five. It doesn't matter what we're talking about. It could be baseball, hockey. It's heat and five. <laughs> so the Bucks made 15 fewer three-pointers than than the Heat did uh, in this game. And, and Miami only won. shot... And the Bucks won. Yes, thank you, Chris Middle. Yes. Yeah. Anything else you want to rub some more salt on that I, wound? Because I'm just pointing out that no matter what stats you bring up, I brought up the most important one, which is Jimmy yes. Butler cannot go four for twenty two. Thank you, thank you, Mister Wins and Losses. I yeah. appreciate the only stat that <laughs> you hush it, You're Ryan. Welcome. You do it all thank the time. You. You're welcome. Yeah, and that's my stat, not anyone else's. No. Okay, wins and losses. <laughs> no, you stop it. All right, so stop. I love this, it. He's like, this that's shows mine. me you can't touch that stat. It's my stat. This shows me that this is going to be obviously a much, much more even series than what we saw last year where the Heat won in five games. This is going to be a really good series between the Heat and the Bucks. And I and I was talking with Josh before we started recording. Like the Bucks are, while they're not the the better regular season team they were a year ago, they are better prepared for a playoff run and to match up with a team like Miami that always gives them fits given they have a Drew Holiday now who is basically one I mean he's literally quite quietly one of the best superstars in the league that no one talks about. Okay, that wait. We've talked about this before. You cannot call someone a superstar if they're not. <laughs> he's not a superstar. That's he's quietly one of the league not he's a, a superstar. He's a no, very good no, he's, very he's an all-star. He's an all-star, so can I call him a star? Yeah. I okay. I just think that that's like when people are like Take the oh my God, this off. brand new artist, they're going to be a superstar. It's like, you realize there's like five of those. Yeah. 
Like, it's not like there's a bunch of superstars yeah. out there. That's that's reserved for like the okay. very top cream of the crop, like top five, top ten, if you want to use that word that everybody on ESPN hates. Elite. Yeah, it's like, it's if that you is didn't, the upper crust of the top of whatever you're ooh, doing. Oh, I like the if upper you, crust. If you don't make an all NBA team, which is 15 people, you're probably not a superstar. All right. So anyway, Drew Holiday is a star in the league and makes all the difference in the world for Milwaukee, both offensively and defensively. This is going to be a good series. But every playoff series, I feel like, is very even, which is kudos to the NBA and the seating because it's actually worked out really well. Uh, moving over to the guy sitting across from me, the uh, the Lakers. Oh, that Talk was just uh, that that was an ugly. Well, not even the eye poke. I mean, obviously them them playing their way into the seven seed by beating the Warriors, and then now the Warriors are out of it completely. Uh, Your luck can change that quickly. They can change that quick. Um, right before this series started with the Suns, LeBron kind of being a little cocky was like, Hey, it's a really big benefit because I know Chris Paul, I know how he plays, which by the way, is kind of like saying it's not a series until the home game, the home team loses. Right. I, that's a double-edged sword. If you know, Chris Paul, then he knows all your he tendencies knows all too, your bro. Stuff. Oh yeah, for like, sure. That, that goes both ways. And then of course, Chris Paul immediately gets hurt. As he does in the playoffs. And they, yeah, but the Suns beat the Lakers. Yes, and they did. Anthony Davis looked lost out there. Yes, he did. It was a very uninspiring performance in that game, for sure. Um, the only stat that I'm really paying attention to is LeBron James is 14-0 and in first rounds. And I have no reason to think that this won't carry over into this one. <laughs> That's a nice win-loss stat right there. Yep, 14-0. and no context whatsoever. He's never lost in the first round. He's never. Until he does. Not can't yet. Wait. I he can't could. wait for it. Not yet. The I, Lakers scored 90 points. James only had 18. AD had a career low in points. We oh, got to break oh, out. Wow. That was a whoop whoop. Yeah, because somebody's <laughs> got to bring the fire hose to put out the suns right now because they are on oh, fire in this series. Timeout. It, it, <laughs> nobody is on fire in a game in which they were. <laughs> They scored a combined 189 points. That's, I was just trying to make a transition to the I awful know. sound that just <laughs> blurted across the podcast. Uh, the Sun, the, however, the Suns do have one of the best defenses in the league. They're sixth. Here's the the thing for me and Josh. Maybe you agree with this. LeBron only attempted four field goals inside ten feet. He has to be more aggressive. Like he can't. Like LeBron settling for jumpers on the outside is not going to win them the series. It's not. I think. This I, there's no way for me to defend LeBron without sounding like the biggest homer, but this is how I view a lot of this stuff. He stays out of the paint right now because the Lakers have the height advantage by a large amount. So what he's watching and seeing happen is who's doubling AD? DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton played. DeAndre Ayton played out of his mind. I don't suspect that he will be able to do that for an entire series. We will see. I mean, they look. As much as I'm saying this, just because, you know, I don't really have a self-professed favorite team. I've told you guys that I love watching LeBron play. And these are both of your teams that we're talking about. Um, it's not like they crushed them. They beat them by nine. Yeah, this wasn't this wasn't a blowout. I, you know, I insider base, insider baseball, insider basketball, like he's watching who's doubling, who's who's open on the weak side, etc. I fully anticipate 
the Lakers to blow out the Suns in game two. Really? By Whoa. like Whoa. 20 I'm or more. Record this. Date it. By yeah. 20 or more. Because this is what, A, LeBron has done his entire career. B, what Frank Vogel does as a coach every year where he watches what they do and goes, okay, here's how we're going to adjust. And I think that AD will not have that bad of a game again. And I don't think LeBron will have that bad of a game again. So, Hey, fingers crossed. I don't know about the the guaranteeing a blowout for the next game, but we'll see. We will see. They got to find a way to stop Devin Booker, 34-8-7. Like that, if that dude keeps going off, it's going to be a long series for the Lakers. For sure. Um, the Mavs, this is a bad matchup for the Clippers. What? It's a, it's a bad matchup. 30-point um, triple-double. Um, Ryan, who hates that stat of the triple-double, triple-doubles aren't important. That one was. That one was. Kind of was important, you know? It's only not important if Russell Westbrook does. <laughs> <laughs> what a hater. Um, this is the worst possible scenario for the Clippers right now. Because if they lose this, if they lose oh. this series, they have Do they blow the team up? They've mortgaged their future. Whoa, they they have one loss, and you're already blowing the team up. Uh, because they no, he said if they lose this series, if they lose this series, both they'll, Paul they'll George lost the first two years, the only two years, these guys are these guys are free agents after this year. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard can leave the Clippers after this year. Period. Oof. So if this falls apart, and they've sold all of their future stuff. It there, I don't know, who, and never even made it to the finals. Never, never if they if they didn't lose. make it into the conference finals. I I I don't know that they lose to the Mavs, but this is a bad matchup for them. This team is a bad matchup for the Clippers. There is no evidence to support that the Clippers are a good team. They blew a three-one lead to Denver last year, and now and they barely got by the Mavericks last year, and this year. They don't seem any better, period. Speaking of uh, of Denver, Portland, the six takes down the three. I love it. There's it, so much going on right now. I don't even know how to like, wrap my head around it. It's, it's wild. Uh, these games are nuts. I mean, I, <laughs> I love revenge I love games. And I don't, you know, this is, again, basketball homer. Yusef Nurkic used to be on the Denver Nuggets. And they cut him because uh-huh. of Jokic. So this is revenge game 101. <laughs> now, is he throwing up monster stats? No, he's not throwing up monster stats. But is there motivation? Yes, there is motivation. And I love that. This is why playoff basketball is so much fun. And what worked was they allowed, and I haven't seen many teams do this, like they allowed Jokic to just score and not be the facilitator that makes him elite. And that actually worked in game one. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to work moving forward. He is not used to being the, the number one option over a series. He's yeah. used to deferring. He's used to being a playmaker to get everyone else involved. And if he has to score 40 a night every <laughs> night just to like <sighs> stay in it, that's a lot. It's a whole lot. Uh, moving on to golf. I love basketball. Phil Mickelson. <laughs> Phil Mickelson, your oldest major winner of all time at 50. PGA champ. Finished at minus six, followed by Kepka and who stays in at minus four. Uh, never stop living your dreams. Just <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Bear, for the advice there, right in the middle. The guy that's, that's won like all of these majors and, and turned, never six. stop living your dreams, man. He finally You'll did get it. there one day. <laughs> Phil Mickelson. 
50 200, years old, you can finally win the PGA more that camp. he kept going because I don't think anyone has had Phil in their top <laughs> 10 that they would pick to win a major for the past several time. years. Exactly. Yeah. Keep living your dreams. Since September, he'd missed six cuts and never finished in the top 20, and he was 200 to 1 odds to win the U.S. God. Open field. Would have loved to put some action on that. Yeah, who? I, and I he needed find a special exemption that. to get into the field. He needed a special, like he didn't even qualify. They had to literally put him into the field he, because it was close to his own course. Well, I mean, you know what? That's that's a little uh, insider golf knowledge right there. It's mm-hmm. close to his home. He's probably played that course quite a bit. I found it very interesting that on the ocean course, uh, technically your your bunkers are not bunkers. They aren't like a penalty area. So you can take practice swings and you can lightly ground your club. Interesting. Yeah. I thought it was forbidden on in all bunkers to uh-huh. ground your it's club. It's not because it's not a bunker. They mm. consider it part of the course. So they consider they the don't, water. They don't consider it. The water is the hazard. Yeah, that's yeah. your hazard. Which hmm. I, I saw that and I was like, huh, that was news to me. And wonder- again, I'm not the most adept at golf. Uh, I, all of my friends would... <laughs> cop to that piece of information yeah i wonder if that's just based on like amount of hazard area you know what i mean like I, so many I think feet it's where the that. course is and yeah. how much of it is on the course i think that's why yeah there seems to be certain guys in golf that move the needle obviously tiger woods has done that you know since <laughs> the early or mid 90s yeah. but phil is the other guy like phil is the other guy that moves the needle that people want to see win he's become this lovable figure in the sport of golf and now, you know, has what one at least one major across four decades, which is only the fourth golfer in PGA Tour history to do that. People love lefty. I mean, I, the bigger stat to me there is not across four decades, is that he did it when he was 50. That he is the oldest by like two years. Yeah. To ever win a major. And and before that, it was like in 64. So golf was much, much different. Like, this is not a. Uh, a recent development like it's been a long time since someone broke that record isn't it sad that 50 is old in a sport and sports sport? no that's not sad because if you're 50 and still playing your sport then I mean, yeah I, tom brady will probably <laughs> do that also but okay which should, hang on here's the other thing immediately this morning people were like comparing phil mickelson to tom brady i'm like calm down. down Okay, there's a big difference there. I'm not going to lie. Is way, <laughs> those are two completely different things. Yo, like, but can you imagine celebrate Brady? Celebrate the moment. It doesn't immediately have to be a comparison to Tom Brady. Brady at 50 winning a Super Bowl? It's possible. That'll it, never happen. That will that, not yeah, happen. Yeah, there's no I'm way. On, I'm on record right now. That will never happen. I will take any bet anyone wants to make on that one. That's not, that's not going to happen. You bet against the GOAT. Be careful. Yeah. Uh, moving on. We get a couple more things, and then we'll get to the hot take. Um Simone Biles did a double pike. Insane. It was I, I watched beautiful. It. It's, a, it's a Yurchenko double pike. It's only ever been done by men in competition. She is just an incredible athlete. It literally looks flawless. Like she, like no effort. Oh, she took a step back and she was like irritated by it. You could tell she was irritated about the step back. And I'm like, you just did something that no. But, and you just told me she got deducted points for it. Yeah. You know about this? No. If you do something that's deemed too difficult, now they deduct points. Stop it. How is that a thing? Sports organizations, stop. 
Stop it. That's like Steph Curry hitting a full court shot. And they're like, nah, negative points. Sorry. You missed, it's you buried dumb. the lead here. She was sporting a leotard with a rhinestone goat. I know. She I saw that. This, it was just so great. <laughs> that is recognizing your power right there. The goat. Well, you know what? Own up to it. You just did something amazing. You were, you knew you were going to do something amazing. So own up to it. I like it. She, it literally was beautiful. If you saw it. She's been in our lives so long. It's, it's hard to imagine just how dominant she's been. Like what, what are we talking about? 20 years now? Maybe less than that, but Wait, it seems like Simone Biles has been around forever. <laughs> not, not that long. <laughs> She's pretty young, right? Yeah, fifteen years, ten years, a long time. <laughs> you just throwing out numbers. <laughs> he just cut the number in half. He just cut a decade out. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It could be like one year, and I'm just forgetting. I'm just know? looking up her age right now. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm waiting for Josh. I'm just stalling. <laughs> she is 24 years old. <laughs> So 20 years. She's been in her lives 20 years. She's she been she's been in her life barely 20 years. <laughs> oh my god. That guy oh comes man. to an end. She was the was she was she came out birthed with a rhinestone goat. <laughs> she is you know? four foot eight. That is so small. <laughs> wow. That is tiny. Yeah, looks like uh 2012 was like when when we were and, oh, there you I mean, go. Season, 20 years. Find this. I, I, again, am not the most knowledgeable person on U.S. gymnastics, obviously. Uh, but I, I, they are now deducting points. Like, if you do something that's too difficult, there's like a threshold. Because they don't want, I think, athletes putting themselves in danger is the way that they worded Stop. it. Stop. There's a whole, that's it. what the X Games became. It was like. I, I, can't, I, I can't. Yeah, I, I don't have any idea where to find this. So it, somebody's going to be like, you're absolutely wrong. They never did that. But anyway, neither here nor there. If I am completely 100% wrong on that, and I just made that up somehow. Uh, it's just incredible that she did that. Incredible, incredible. That's all I can say about her as an athlete. She's insane. Um, last thing that we'll talk about in sports. Uh, I really enjoyed watching some top-ranked boxing on ESPN the other night. Oh, you were showing me some videos the it other day. It randomly popped up, and it was Ramirez versus Taylor for the Undisputed Junior Welterweight Championship. And it, it was pretty wild because Taylor, uh, Josh Taylor specifically, is one of those athletes that has kind of really quickly run through the division, which is something you don't normally see in boxing. They kind of let you fight tomato cans at the beginning and then they they want you to be undefeated by the time you get why are you looking at me like that ryan what's it who's fighting a tomato can it's a it's a figure of speech yeah you've never heard that before never oh i need to find the origin of this hang on <laughs> gosh <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> you're typing figures it's like a so TikTok. It says, it's a sports idiom in boxing kickboxing or mma tomato cans are simply tomato or can as an idiom for a fighter with poor or diminished skills who may be mm. considered an easy win yeah wow in pro wrestling like wwf they're called jobbers Ooh, fights with tomato cans can be arranged to inflate the win total of a professional fighter oh, there yeah. he is. He's so there it is so uh <laughs> I, he he did not do that josh taylor has like run up the rankings and not just his power, but his speed. Uh, early on in the fight, just obviously 12 rounds, Ramirez was was kind of outpointing him. And then in the sixth, he came out in a couple seconds into the round, just dropped him. 
and Ramirez, I think, had been knocked down like twice at that point in his career. He knocked him down twice in this fight. He knocked him down again in the seventh with a huge left uppercut. And uh, it went the full 12 rounds. Josh Taylor won 114 to 112 on the scorecards. So he needed both of those knockdowns. And uh, pretty awesome fight, though. I really enjoyed it. I haven't really sat down and watched boxing in, in quite a while. And the fact that it was on ESPN on Saturday night, I was like, I'll give this a go. And it was great. They did a great job. So according to our friends at BleacherReport.com, we have the 25 biggest tomato cans in MMA history. <laughs> Bring you it. Would, I love you this. Would. Bring I it. Love it. Just, hey, just give us the top 10. This is, a, this is an article written from 2012, so around the time Simone Biles got introduced to our lives. <laughs> Go ahead. 20 years at, ago. At number 10, Ruben Villarreal. I'm, this is We're totally not going to know any of these things, things right? Nope. I, nope. I'll probably know some of them. It's MMA. Uh, so. <laughs> at number nine, Hiro Mitsu Kanihara. Okay. Keep going. I love this the is, pronunciation attempts. This is, is going to be bad. This is going to be bad. Awful idea by me. <laughs> Keep going. But at number eight, Vernon White. At number seven, Alexander Otsuka. Yeah. Ooh, at number six, this is the best name of the list so far. Rocky Battistini. Yeah. Name Rocky. You got to be a fighter if your name's Rocky, right? All right. We're into the top five uh, biggest tomato cans in MMA history, according to BleacherReport.com. At number five, Diahiro Matsui. No relation to Matsuyama. Oh, my gosh. At number four, Kad... Kad... Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh boy. Go ahead. Go ahead. This is simultaneously the worst and the best thing that you've ever looked up. Yes, Number four. All right. Katsu, ka, Kazuyuki Fujita. That wasn't that hard. I don't know why that Kazuyuki took Okay. At number three, Bob Sapp. Oh, Bob Sapp is not a tomato can. Come on. Bob Sapp fights never went to decision, according to BleacherReport.com. Seven of his losses came by submission. Ooh, poor Bob Sapp. At number two. A tomato can. That's, that's, I, I, this is your definition of a tomato I can. I know. Go ahead. At number two, Shannon Rich, who ended up not being that rich from his fighting career. <laughs> None of his 75 dude. losses went the distance. Not oh, one. my God. 75? <laughs> Jesus. And that's third? <laughs> that's second. That's second. That means there's somebody better than that. Go ahead. His nickname was the Cannon. And as they wrote, over the years, the Cannon has proven very effective cannon fodder. Oh. oh, boy. And at number one, according to BleacherReport.com, the biggest tomato can in MMA history is Kenneth Allen. Oh. <laughs> Very basic. Like the it. guy is one and thirty-one of all time. <gasps> oh currently on God. a nineteen-fight losing streak. Yeah, that's. Uh, How's that worse than our guy that lost seventy-five times? Because he's because he's only got one win. <laughs> that's why. That's oh why. yeah, Ken, Ken, Shannon Rich is forty-eight and seventy-five. Dude yeah. needs to stop fighting. That's a lot of fights. Maybe if he just keeps following his dream, eventually <laughs> when he's <laughs> following your dream, you will make it. Uh, all right. Well, that's uh, that's the sports for this week. Um, before we go to the hot take, I want to address two things. Uh, one, 
merch has been shipped. We have actually seen some photos. I know you're excited. I am so excited. Thank you to everybody. Y'all, I love you because there was a lot of stuff to ship out (laughs) and it all got out, but I saw some of you already have gotten it. So I love it. I'm going to say this again a little bit later, but once you get our merch, I want you guys to take a picture and post it, tag us, and maybe we will repost you. But I want y'all to rep us. I love it. Love it all. Also, who who won the hot take last week? Oh, by over 200 votes, Bone In Wings are the only actual wing. So Bone In Wings won over Chicken Tenders. I love how you had to say by over 200 votes because the percent was... (laughs) Yeah, but it's over 200 votes in our favor, so Bone In. I'm pretty sure the big winner was (laughs) MeatPoultry.com. Honestly, the amount of DMs I got about MeatPoultry.com is uh, astounding. We get a lot. Yeah, we got a lot. That's incredible. All right, let's move on to the hot take. Hot take! Hot take! I like it. A little crispy, but it was good. Hey, you know, it was a lot like of, your wings. A lot of, yeah. a lot of screaming at the uh, Preds games. Yeah. So, dude, I I'm shocked. If you guys listen to the live podcast, the very very end, Go my listen. voice is Go toast. <laughs> we just missed the by the way the it's goal gone. by like couple seconds. Literally. I know. And Josh was so mad at me. He goes, "Yeah, no." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I shut it off." Okay, that was really good. I'm so glad we no. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. In my head, I'm like. This is rude if we're live broadcasting. No question. After they let us in. But then later I got to think about it. I was like, it's not the actual broadcast. No. No. You have to tune in online. I mean, if we did the whole game, maybe that's If it was on a stand and like. So I I ruined your moment. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. (laughs) I have no idea. I still actually haven't rewatched it. I have no idea. I have no idea what Ryan was saying when we when you joined the live. Yeah, we couldn't hear you at all. I couldn't all. hear you at all. I so. went back and watched it. It's okay. No, I was having fun with the with the people commenting, just engaging with them as we were watching hockey together. Cool. Uh Josh, this is yours. You want to take it away? Yes. So we've had a, a string of hot takes about food recently. And uh <laughs> But it's so hard not to argue food. We, we did. And I we love did. food. I eat food every day, so I get it. Um big fan of food. However, this week. We are talking about the best year for movies. Now, it's, these movies have to be released in this calendar year. Those are the rules. Not shot in. You can't be like, oh, they were shooting this and it released in 95. But nor can I you, didn't even think about that. Nor can you do like, well, it's a trilogy. And so it started here, but one of them was in this year. No, no, no. The movie was released in this year. And this year for me holds a special sentiment because it's actually the year I first went to the movies. I went with my sister. She's listening. Hello. Hi, Jade. She wanted a shout out. I'm sure. Um, we went and saw the little mermaid, a fine, fine Disney flick. But this year had movies such as Batman, Indiana Jones and the last crusade, lethal weapon Two, honey. I shrunk the kids. Back to the Future Part 2, Ghostbusters 2, Dead Poets Society. That is a murderer's row of movies. And the year that's, was... That's it? That's all That's all we're going to name? I'm just... That's just some of them. I'm not Back to the Future 2 wasn't even a good one. Oh, don't even start with me. I will. The year... I'm going to name all the movies from my year. <laughs> the year was 1989. 
was the best year for movies. That was a great year overall. I'm not I'm not saying it was a bad year. Taylor Swift was born that year. Stop it. Ryan was born that year. Yeah, let's go. 1989, the best year for movies. I'm not saying it was a bad year. It was not the best year. Try me. Um, Bear, do you want to go first? Wait, no. Why are you going to make me go next? Okay, I'll go next. Here we go. All Dogs Go to Heaven was 1989. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to make you guys take a seat, but I'm about to. Like, I, I don't know how you're going to follow this. Because the best year ever for movies, and I'm saying this knowing the Achilles heel of this year. There was only one truly great still in the pantheon of great horror movies released in this year. And that's one of my favorite genres, right? Even with that caveat. 1993. And here's why. Groundhog Day, Sleepless in Seattle, Tombstone, Jurassic Park, The Sandlot, Rookie of the Year, So I Married an Axe Murder. You, heed, move. It's like an Dazed and, and confused. Toothpick. Menace to Society, The Firm, Carlito's Way, Cool Runnings, The Joy Luck Club, Dragon, The Bruce Lee Story, Hocus Pocus, The Fugitive, What's Eating, Gilbert Grape, Free Willy, Schindler's List, Demolition Man, The Three Musketeers, The Last Action Hero, Homeward Bound, Homeward Freaking Bound. Don't make me Color cry. Heads, Leprechaun, True Romance, The Nightmare Before Christmas, The Pelican Brief, Gettysburg, A Bronze Tale, Robin Hood Men in Tights, Rise of the Phantasm, the Batman animated movie, which was fantastic. Which only and existed because of mine. Hot Shots Part 2. <laughs> what a throw in. Well, I didn't know we were listening to all of them. I just did That's like, not the top, all of them. The top nine. I cherry picked. There are so many more movies released in that year than just what I listed. But even if I wanted to do like the first nine that I listed, Groundhog Day, Sleepless in Seattle, Josh. I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Tombstone, personally my favorite Western of all time. Jurassic Park, The Sandlot, Rookie of the Year, Cool Runnings, Hocus Pocus, which we've talked about on this podcast. You know what else I mean, is 1989? Major League. Yeah. It's great. One of your favorites. It is. It's one of my favorites. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Not one of my favorites. Not one of my favorites. Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, <laughs> 1989. Okay, yeah. Now, if we want to start going, like, I, I purposefully stayed away from, like... Police Academy the, 6, yeah, yeah, City the, Under Siege. There's so many of those in 93. It's like... Uh, which witchcraft and horror eight? It's like there, there's so many movies, or it's like the ninth iteration of them. Mm-hmm. But again, I, if you look at that list, top to bottom, you you can't tell me there's anything missing from there. There's all sorts of stuff missing, I, such as what I could watch just those movies for the rest of my life and be happy. That's how I feel about eighty nine too. The, the interesting thing with 89 is it's like all the first wave of sequels. So you have Lethal Weapon 2, Ghostbusters I, see, 2. See, again, that, Ghostbusters 2 is never going to compare to the first Ghostbusters movie. I don't know. Ghostbusters 2 is great. No, I didn't say it was bad. It's never going to be the first one. Great. Groundhog Day is literally the jumping off point for movies doing the infinite loop of one day. No question. I know it's not the first thing that ever used that in the consciousness of creativity and writing and everything, but that movie is, is like 
Sure. How many countless films have come out that use that trope? Sure, but Batman was also the first of the comic book movies. Okay, see where you're confused and you said at the end that my movie would not have existed without yours. Uh, you're wrong because this is from Batman the Animated Series, which was probably one of the highest rated cartoons that have ever been done. Mm-hmm. And this is a spinoff of that. It's not the actual film Batman universe. No, this is I know, but they yeah. they 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 greenlit the cartoon because of the success of the Batman mm, movie from 1989. Mm, not really. <laughs> we don't actually know the answer not either really. way. <laughs> anyway, Bear, what do you got? So, I as hard as it was to pick a year, I'm going newer. So I'm going 2017. What? What? Out of all of the years. Yes. Just wait oh, for man. it. All right. Here we go. We got Thor Ragnarok, Fifty Shades Darker, Baby Driver, The Hitman's Bodyguard, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Vol- Volume 2, The Greatest Showman, It, Justice League. Showman! <laughs> <laughs> the Greatest Showman. The Greatest Show, man. Let me live my life. Go ahead. Justice League, Spider-Man Homecoming, Wonder Woman, Jigsaw, Dunkirk, The Shape of Water, the Kong, which I guess was okay. Jumanji. <laughs> and she's out. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, that, that uh, took no, a no, really no. long Jun- time before Jumanji, you just. Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, Wonder Woman, Beauty and the Beast, King Arthur, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Tale. Literally, you, you've named so far uh, like Logan. three remakes and one movie you didn't like. Okay. Gifted, John Wick, Chapter 2, Transformers, The Last Night, The Killing of the Sacred... Uh, you just listed Transformers, The Last Night, in your f- like favorite movies of all time? Star Wars, The Last Jedi. I'm not talking about like my favorite movies of all time. That, this is like a year of you think like, those, good movies. It's good movies, but do these stack up against all of this other stuff? I think it was a great year for movies. You guys suck. Let's move on. <laughs> all right, Rye, what do you got? I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I have what is critically acclaimed as the greatest year in movie history, also known by historians as Hollywood's golden year. I'm going way back in time. Yeah, he's before, going old. It's before 19- any of us were even born. What did you say it was, Josh? 1927. It is actually 1939 hmm. in what was known as Hollywood's golden year, where you had classics like... The Wizard of Oz, Gone with the Wind, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Stagecoach, not to mention movies like Young Mr. Lincoln, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. This was the year that many have regarded as the golden age of films. You had iconic scenes, famous quotes, films from 1939 that we are still referencing today, Gone with the Wind being an example. The Wizard of Oz, obviously. That was movie making's golden year of 1939. And I stand with the rest of historians in saying there is no greater year in filmmaking history than 1939. Ryan, I'm going to go ahead and guess that you've only seen maybe one of those movies, period. Um, I have seen Gone with the Wind and I've seen The Wizard of Oz. Okay, so two of the ones on <laughs> wow, your list. you've seen two of them. And? Did you literally type in? Yes, he did. No, Best year I'm, for film. I, I, I looked and did some research on the gr- greatest year. You didn't ask me what was my favorite year. You said the greatest year. So I came up with 1939, which historians agree is the golden <laughs> age for Hollywood. 
Okay. Who's going to argue with historians? Me. For sure. I mean, I <laughs> look, I, if we got to break this up, it's got to be 2017 versus 93. Yeah. And then I'll take on the golden age. That's he'll fine. take on the golden. You already <laughs> go. Wait, 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 wait. Would you, would you rather take on 2017? No, I'll take on the golden age. Okay. Yeah. I'm let's go. That. You're going to challenge the wizard of Oz. Yeah. Follow that yellow brick road. So down to are, are we going to, are we, <laughs> God bless. Are we going to just take like six movies? Yeah. I think we're going to take six. I'm going to post the names of the movies. All right. And then we will. So the top six movies from that year. Yes. And okay, we'll post so that I'll along send with. you the top six movies from that year. So, yes. So you don't just cherry pick. I'm, I'm, I, I'm asking for yeah, you to. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we'll, we'll all share and then we'll post this and we'll see how it goes. Follow the yellow brick road. Oh, Lord. Um, thank you guys again for joining us for the quad with Chris Young. As always, I'm Chris. We got Ryan from Miami, producer Josh, Haley the Bear. Thanks for letting us uh, hang out with you this week. And as always, we'll be back next Monday. I almost, I almost coughed right there at the end. <laughs> I have a feeling Ryan's going to get to like movie number four and be like, I don't even know what this is. <laughs> Wait, we said six? Yeah, yeah. six. Okay. There's a couple that I skipped on there that I was like, yeah, I don't even know what this is. So. <laughs>